2: All right, welcome to Closing Bell. I'm Scott Wapner, live from Post 9 here at the New York Stock Exchange. This make-a-break hour begins with a stunning move in the NASDAQ and whether the euphoria around the AI trade is close to a peak or just beginning. One of our guests making the case today it's not even close to over. He'll tell you why in just a moment. Your scorecard with 60 minutes to go in regulation looks like this. New highs for the S&P and the Dow today. It is the NASDAQ that is stealing the show And look, we only need 20-something or so points here for a new closing high for the NASDAQ. We will watch it closely over the final stretch. All of this following NVIDIA's blowout earnings and guidance. That stock, obviously, you know by now, it is surging along with so many others. AMD and Broadcom. And how about Supermicro Computer? Are you kidding me? The stock's up more than 30%. Meta and Amazon are also big winners in today's session, too. All right. Takes us to our talk of the tape. This mega moment for the mega caps. How far these stocks can run from here. Let's ask Adam Parker. He's the founder and CEO of Trivariate Research, a CNBC contributor. And he is back with me at Post 9. Good to have you back. Great to be here. The person that I was alluding to in this opening read is you. Wow. You say that the the we're not even close, not even close to the end of this AI euphoria trade?
3: I, I just think it's, you know, a 10-year kind of trend. And the idea that we, you know, it really started in my mind less than a year ago. You know, it was really NVIDIA's first upward sales revision, you know, in, in May. So, you know, just thinking out loud, like, is that, is it less than a one-year trade for the stocks? I think it's going to follow that, that same curve all technology adoption does. And I think a lot of people just continue to believe, oh, I'm going to be I'm going to call the top of that first wave and it's going to correct 20, 30, 40 percent. And then I'm going to get it right at the bottom and then I'm going to ride it for the second wave. And, I, you know, I see you saw the note. We called it the NVIDIA God trade. You think you're God. You're going to call the top, call the bottom and call the top again. And meantime, you, you haven't even deployed most of this stuff. And it's a 10 year trend. So my view is like, I'm not that smart. I'm not going to get it right in three directions in a row. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for the last year, we're just staying long and we want exposure to A.I. Semis. Like, J- that's that's the call.
2: Jensen Wong of NVIDIA would have have us believe that this is the dawning of a new industrial revolution. He speaks of it that way. We're at a tipping point, he says, for what's happening in AI. That it sounds like you're on that same page.
3: Yeah, I mean I might multiply it by 0.8 or whatever, but or, you know I might hit, hit a couple and think, he's he's doing his job and promoting it, and he's, you know, I used to be a chip analyst, so I, you know, remember these companies when it didn't look like they were going to survive 25 years ago and I was joking around with a bunch of my old, you know, uh, semiconductor buy-site analyst today saying if you had told, you know, 20 years ago, if you told Intel that, they, that NVIDIA would have added an Intel market cap pre-market in one day, they would have thought you were, in, you know, on drugs. So a lot's changed and evolved. But I, I tend to agree it's a multi-multi-year trend. That second wave is multi- many years off when you really implement cost-cutting. And the first wave is is, is is sort of implementing the infrastructure. When I hear Sam Altman say we don't even have enough power, forget
2: compute, I think you know it's very early, very early on. Was, was the the rally in the market at large? Was this a moment of truth for that? I mean, if this came in negative, was that in danger of wrecking the whole show? And now we are enabled to take another leg up because of what Nvidia delivered.
3: I mean, you know, I I, I hate you know you know being. You know, sort of ingrandizing the one data point but for sure it carries with a lot of other hopes and dreams for sure the day they tell you they can meet demand the stock and the market are going to go down a lot but um, I, I do believe uh, there are that same basket of ten companies, plus or minus, that will participate that you need to own and have exposure to. They're going to outperform two, three, five, ten years from now. And I don't, I, you know, you saw in our work. Like, I don't want to be a PM and say, oh, I didn't own any AI stuff because I couldn't make the valuation work, or I thought it was late, okay. or any of that. Like, those it's a good, huge trend. Points. You need to be there
2: because as as we talked to Stacy Rascon, who I think is one of the best in the business, yesterday going into the number, yeah. he's like, it's not it's not expensive. In fact. It's cheap. It's cheaper than this one, and it's cheaper than that one, and it's cheaper than the other one because of what their earnings and the guidance have done. The valuation has come down. So if you don't want to own it, don't own it. Just don't tell me it's ch- it's not cheap. Right. It, I, I, don't tell me it's uh, too expensive. I know Stacy well because, you
3: know, he, he replaced me at Bernstein Wells this time. He's an analyst. I've known him for a long time. He's super smart. And I, I agree with him. If you look at all the big tech companies that have had big upward sales revisions, uh, you know, this one, um, the, the sales estimates have come up just as much as the stock. If you go back, like, in sort of Q4, 2022 maybe gen 123 and said what did the analysts think they were going to earn in 2024 remember they're off by 1 month on their fiscal calendar year it was 8 billion for this quarter they did 22 like the magnitude of the quarter up we sales revision is is unprecedented and the stock's up basically the same amount so it hasn't gotten more expensive can it keep going like that not at this rate nothing it's not going to go up you know 200% every every year but um, I think they can grow and they can grow for a long time and they're growing at a high margin and it might be fair to look at on EV to gross profit and and I, I don't think it's that, that expensive versus say, other things.
2: You say, let's just say, you know, you, you're either you're in it or you're not, you don't want to buy it here, right. whatever. You say you got to own a, a lot of these players, whether it's Micron or AMD or Broadcom, yeah. at least. And
3: I think the equipment makers make a lot of sense. Uh, Two. So, you know, if you're telling Lamb, me I'm yeah, LAM, AMAT, AMAT KLA. KLA, look at Synopsis and Cadence. You can't make chips without them. Stocks are up a ton. There are 95 billion market companies. Like, these are the lists we've been talking about for a year that you have to own. Um, and if you're a value person, you want to own a TSMC or you want to own a Micron because you need the optical valuation, okay.
2: Value person you need TSMC, the market cap is like, uh, you know, way up there too. So but it would,
3: the if it 10. were domiciled in Arizona, it would trade at 40 times earnings. It's an incredible business, right? So I, I think it's, you're just discounting how much of the, the risk it is for being domiciled where it is. So I, I think this is a big trend and we're early, early days. And I think there's a, li- a little bit of like an unintentional arrogance people have when they don't own it. I remember you and I talked about this off the air a year ago. There was a guy on. I don't remember who it was, so I'm not, I can't disparage him. But good. He was sort of bragging that um, he didn't own Amazon ever, and it was down 10%, and he was kind of victory lapping, and then it was down 10%. And I said to you off the air, he shouldn't do that. Like, he missed the first trillion, and he's bragging he missed $100 billion on the way down. Like, you can't do that. If NVIDIA is down 5%, 10%, and you say, well, I never owned it, and you're happy you missed it, you're still wrong. You missed the first $2 trillion. Right, this is a multi-year trend and uh, the stock's gonna be, of course it's gonna be three, four
2: trillion eventually. Does it only underscore then that we're gonna have a more top-heavy market for the foreseeable future? Because of everything that you just said, if you're putting new money to work in the, in the market, why would you go broad? I The reason I like U.S. equities
3: over non-U.S. equities, why I like U.S. equities over bonds, find me anything gets exposure to the biggest 20 U.S. companies. We track their net income growth, we look at the estimates, on Jan 1, we did our year ahead outlook. The 2025 net income for the biggest 20 companies was supposed to be 796 billion, it's now 852 billion. These are the biggest companies that are growing their net income dollars at 15% per year, and you're raising your numbers. So yeah, I want exposure to the best awesome
2: companies. How about yeah. this? Goldman's Tony Pascarello, I I, I love his work. Yeah. He put out a note today, and this stat, to me, says everything. All right, and I, w- I want your reaction to it. In Q4, the Magnificent Seven grew sales by 15% year-on-year, lifted margins by 607 basis points year-on-year, leading to earnings growth of 60%. In contrast, the remaining 493 stocks in the S&P grew sales by 3% year-over-year, while margins contracted by 59 basis points, such that earnings fell by two percent, doesn't that just underscore everything as to why this trade has done what yeah. it what it has? Yeah, pretty
3: much. And and I think their lead technologically has gotten better. I I don't know him. I've read his stuff on and off for years, and I'm, I I kind of have a, a one direction bromance with him. So I I I, I agree <laughs> a lot with his views. Um, and uh, on this topic, and that you you, just, you know you, you've heard me say it a hundred times, you have to own at least a market weight in the Mag Seven. Well, you said twenty five percent at least. At least, right? And you got and that's a you big. You feel like job. it needs to be above that at this? Well, the market was whatever twenty seven percent, whatever the weight is. You got to be you got to own a big position in a long way fund, and most people can't. And so I continue to you know a day like today. Sure, I feel good about myself, and but at the end of the day, it's about here for the next two, three, five, ten years. How can you run a fund of U.S. equities and not have exposure? to Well,
2: this? let's <laughs> ask the person who's joining the conversation, right? That's a I great segue because Joe dis- Terranova of Veritas di- yeah.
3: disagrees. I don't No, know. Oh. He,
2: are you kidding? He's I'm got the jo- he's got the equally weighted Joe T, based on momentum, and mm-hmm. he's smart, loaded smart, up.
4: smart and He's you, loaded it's up. a good combo uh, on okay. these names. What do you what and, and do you and make and of and this? Doing pretty well today. Equally weighted, uh, the strategy is actually outperforming the S and P today. Yeah. And the reason why, and I'll tell you why I disagree with you on on the point of the Mag Seven. Okay, I think the mistake that we're making right now is that we continue to focus on the MAG-7, and we're really not focusing on what is powering the earnings growth in the market, which is the AI halo. Wait, what, you said you, you disagree with him on the MAG-7? Disa- At what point? I disagree that the MAG-7 are the focal point. I think you could actually own... Well, they have been. Okay, so today, let's go back again. Let's start the segment over. Today, you disagree with the fact I that am the not, Chiefs won the Super Bowl? I am not... Well, are, 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 why don't you pull up the performance today? No, they won today. the Super Bowl. Am I equally weighted? Yes, I am. Am I outperforming the S&P today? Yes, I am. All right. That's market cap up. weighted. What? No, not everything's up. What's important to understand is what Adam said before. It's the AI halo, and that's where I think Adam is spot on. He mentioned names we don't talk about on the show. Application software, Cadence, Synopsys. We don't talk about those those companies much. They are so incredibly important to creating the chips. That's where the mobility of this whole A- generative AI begins KLA Corp, AMAT, um, LAM Research. So anything that has something to do with AI is the place to be. Not something to do with AI. Anything that's curating the AI. What did Adam say before? Application software designs the semiconductors. Agreed, right? Okay. Now you have the semiconductors. That are benefiting. Everyone's saying, well, on a day like today, why is Alphabet, why is Microsoft relatively underperforming? How about Apple? I don't think about those companies as the AI names of today. Those companies are throwing billions of dollars at NVIDIA, at AMD, at Amat, right? You don't think for, you don't, the, think of for those as
2: one, you don't think of Microsoft as one of the AI plays of today.
4: I think as it, it, I think of it of as a future. Few. I think it, of it as a future AI player, and in that group of Mag Seven, it's by far the leader to where it's going to get to the goal line quickest for sure. That I don't disagree with. Meta may have a I think they're dog all,
3: in that I think, fight. I think they're all massive AI players, but I don't know what he disagrees with me on. I think he just wanted to say that. It sounds like he agreed. I, think so too. No. I it was
2: a surprise because be,
3: I think you guys I think you you
4: have to-, to have a 25% waiting to the Mag 7. No, but you. Yeah. I don't have a 25% waiting to the Mag 7. Personally, you probably do. No, I don't. What? What personally, my largest owner, personally, my largest ownership. Personally, my largest ownership is in the strategy and the ETF that that tracks the strategy. But that's only because you happen to run an equal
2: weight. That's strategy. because I put my money where where, where well, my mouth. I would is. Make, I'd make. Do you money. own Microsoft?
4: Yes. You own Apple? Personally, yes. You, you own Apple? No. You own Meta? Personally, no. I own Microsoft. Personally, that's the only but, one you own. Correct. So two two interesting
3: things on this. One is. The thing that's interesting to me about about cadence and synopsis, as an example, is if the pitch on on a Microsoft is you're going to pay 30 bucks a month for them to get more, you'll get more efficient, right? And they'll watch you in Outlook and they'll watch you in Excel and you'll just get more efficient and it's worth that, and that's really, Mm -hmm. cadence and synopsis, if you think about it, I don't know how, how many minutes a day you're in. Microsoft products. Maybe it's 90 minutes a day and they can learn from you 90 a day. But if you're a circuit designer, you're designing circuits for 10 hours a day. So the amount of time that they can observe you and help you get more efficient is even greater at cadence and synopsis. I mean, there's definitely a lot of ways to play it. I, I agree with them all those names, and you know we've talked about them for a long time on the show. Um, I, I do think that my point on the Mag 7 is slightly different. And, and so what, what I would say on, on Joe's point is, look, I don't think the stocks are very idiosyncratic, If the, MAG7. If the market's up and growth beats value and large beats small, I can explain a lot of Microsoft's returns from that alone. Two, they're covered by 60 sell-side analysts and 400 buy-side analysts. I honestly don't think I can know something about Google that nobody else does that's not in the price. I mean, I'm arrogant, but I'm not that arrogant, right? And then the third thing is I can't rep- replicate them with another basket of securities and mirror their performance. They're just not kind of statistically replicable. So I look at it and think, macro stocks, I don't know anything anyone else does, and I can't replicate them. I want to be market weight, not equal weight. That's you, my. You, it's a risk
2: management I view I I understand that, but, but your strategy, irrespective of, of your ETF strategy, Correct. Your advisement of, of the viewer is to be less than market weight, the MAG-7? Because his point it's is it, to be market weight the MAG-7. And that is
4: 25%. Well, I, I think Adam's speaking towards a passive investor. I'm, I don't, I'm speaking about anybody who's watching this program. Right no, none, come none, on. Of my you make, are, none of my clients are
3: passive. So,
2: you, so I'm anybody what I'm saying is you've underperformed. Now you'll underperform when the mag
3: 7 rip and of then course. you'll outperform when they don't of course and 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 what i'm saying is how much of that underperformance came from your equal weight versus market i bet you last year or whatever the last two years most or all or more than all of it was from that underweight and if you'd just been market weight, the rest of your stock
4: picking probably would have helped you. To, I, I don't know. I have to. would have to analyze but it. That, that's but a that nine-month period. That's that's, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. that's a momentary nine-month period. But no, but, but the if Mag Seven. No, no, let me answer. I it's want been, to go. Let me back answer your question.
2: Just the most I don't know. simple I, I, question, because I have an analyst for this conversation. Yeah. People watching the show. Mm-hmm.
4: Should they be underweight the Mag Seven? Okay. If they are active investors, they should not be carrying a twenty-five percent exposure market wait to the Max 7. If they are passive, yeah, then they're going to automatically. They have to. If yeah. you're a passive investor,
3: that, you have to. I, I, We know each other well, so we can disagree with each other. It's fine. I disagree with that. I, All my clients are active investors. I mean, passive investors don't pay. Right, right, so they're all active investors. And the advice I give them to beat the S&P long only is to be market weight that group for the reasons I articulated. I think you can make your alphabets elsewhere on top of that. To me, it's too much risk. If I'm running a long only fund and I say I own no Apple, there's no weight I can have in any security that will offset
2: the risk of me owning no Apple. Hang it's on. a huge, a huge bet against hey, Hang on two seconds. I'll come back to both of you in a minute. I get what I, have, I got some breaking news. I have to get to Steve Leisman. Steve, what do we have?
5: Philadelphia president. Mr. Harker saying that the Fed may be in a position, Scott, to uh, decrease rates this year. Not all that uh, affirmative about it. Said it may be in a position to do it. He says he cautions against all those folks out there looking for rate cuts to happen right away. He says, quote, we have time to get this right. The greatest risk, he says, comes from lowering rates too early, not from being too late. He says he's ready to cut when the data, quote, give me that signal. He calls the fight against inflation in the final mile of a marathon, but says that final mile can, in fact, be the hardest. He goes on to say he has confidence that monetary policy is working and he's looking for disinflation in order to get that signal to spread more widely to the goods and services throughout the goods and services sectors. She said the Fed will start discussing slowing the balance sheet reduction in March and that the economy continues to hum along. He calls the U.S. economy the strongest in the developed world. He is concerned, though, among the risk about uh, credit card delinquencies. Just a quick look at these probabilities on Fed rate cuts. uh, uh, Scott, they have been declining almost all day and declining in the past several weeks. We're now down just a 28% probability of that May rate cut. Nothing or 4.5% for March. And the amount of cuts expected this year continues to come down. But As you have been talking about, all of that appears to pale in the face of earnings like from companies like NVIDIA.
2: Because I think, Steve, that most people in the market believe that rates are happening this year. These speakers can sort of couch it around as as much as they want when they make these public comments. But I'll use, you know, Vice Chair Jefferson as as an example. Uh, It will likely be appropriate to begin dialing back our policy restraint later this year. That's what he said earlier today. I think the market's gotten a little bit beyond, hey, as long as we know it's coming, we're good. Now, it doesn't have to be March. It may not be May. Maybe it's a summer. But they seem to be letting on that it's coming. And we're OK with waiting.
5: Yeah, you know, Scott, there's, a, there's an old folk song that I know. It's called One Cool Remove. And that's the way the Fed officials seem to be uh, treating this. Later this year, sometime this year kind of thing. It's all very much out there. I do think you're right. You can have some confidence that rates are going down. But it is rather extraordinary, Scott, the amount of easing That's been dialed out of the market. 83 basis points, three and a third quarter point rate cuts, if you want to do the math specifically. Um, And the market has continued to do quite well. And the reason I think we'll talk more about this tomorrow and show you some charts on this is what's happened to the earnings. It has really been like rate cuts. We don't need no stinking rate cuts. I just drew something. You can't see it because my pen's bad. Adam Parker
2: can see it. A.I. greater than cuts. Right, because that's what the market is hitting. on. AI
5: earnings right in now. general.
2: <laughs> right, exactly. Steve, thanks. Our senior economic supporter, sure. Steve Leesman. I'm need to. i better ain't uh, get my pen. Ruin my prop.
3: The s and always been a superior asset class to the economy. So you can get the market working when the economy doesn't. But I didn't think there was anything that surprising about that report. I don't know if you agree. No, I mean, no well, the, yeah. the,
2: look, as I said, I mean, the, the market is confident. The economy is good. The cuts are coming at some point. You got this boom from AI. It's lifting the the entire market. The question is, is it time? We can get beyond the the 25% market conversation, but about the broadening. Is the the broadening gonna, Joe, is that gonna happen? Is it gonna happen?
4: I don't know, not not to the extent that I think people anticipated. Um, uh, and, and, And this is actually a compliment. If I asked Adam, where's the tenure right now? It's probably not even on his mind, and I think that's the right thing, right? Well, 435. Like 432. Yeah. Right, right. But we're getting, so it's 435, it's at the high for the year. Think about how fixated everyone was on where a 10 year was uh. in the last three months. Right. Over focused on it. And, and I think we're in a place, I agree with you, yeah. we're in a place where stocks are overwhelming. What that expectation right. on rates ultimately? No, it's might a good pay. point.
3: It's a good point. If you'd said three months ago that the delay cutting and the bond yields are going to rise, you would have been wouldn't have think the market would be a rip fest through it. So, but you know, I, you know my view, which is bond yields rise and the market goes up at the same time, is pretty pretty normal. It means the economy is better than people thought, and earnings are pre- growth earnings know, but, growth
2: is pretty good. But I thought we had moved beyond the concentration of the mag seven, but then you make a comment like you don't think the broadening is going to work, but then here's the
3: answer. Here's the answer. The answer is the average company's gross margins go up and it broadens. That's what you need to believe. And I think there's some maybe may, I think that could happen. I think the average company could see gross margin expansion. I think input costs are down. Labor productivity is up. And maybe that's what this AI thing ultimately is going to be about. The second wave of it is going to be better productivity and efficiency for your company. So what you really maybe are saying is the market's worth more in years 2026 through 2030 than it was a year or two ago because of all the earnings and margin uh, that, that,
4: that's going to come. Yeah, I mean, when, when I hear is the market going to broaden out, I think it would have been a very universal sense. To me, that means our small caps going to begin to outperform. That's the first thing I look is, at. Is kind of like, like okay, is yeah. it Russell for real or not? Okay. So, you, you know, you, you look at the small caps and you say to yourselves, are you going to get the type of earnings growth that would warrant that? And then you begin to get the multiple expansion. We talked about this last week on the show. I think there are very few areas of the market where you're going to get significant multiple expansion. You can get multiple expansion in small caps. But show me that you're actually going to get some of the earnings growth. They're still in an earnings recession. And that's what I think of when I think about, okay, universally, can we get the broadening out? You're getting the broadening out in large caps there are companies in the no, industrial the sector I, the finance insurance companies it. and financials th- those companies are working but i think it from an equity size class and i think you could even make a, an argument do you look at it geographically and say okay does the emerging markets begin to catch up does Europe begin to catch up? I mean, ex Japan, uh-huh. to Adam's point at the top of the show, w- what economy rivals the US right now? What stock market rivals the US?
2: I got to leave all it right. there. All right, we'll do then it again. We we'll it see you. Yeah, we'll, well, we'll, we'll be I our like last uh, time at like the rodeo. We, agreed, right. we disagreed. It's all love. It all it's all good. Joe, love. thanks. Adam, thank you as well. Christina Partsanevolis has a look at the biggest names moving into the close. I guess I mean, you can't talk about Nvidia, right?
0: Well, you guys were doing it the whole uh, first 20 minutes, so I guess I'll leave it there and switch over to Moderna. But I could talk about NVIDIA all day, but let's talk about Moderna because look at the stock price. It's up 15 percent. It's best day since December 2022 after posting a surprise profit and revenue beat. The vaccine maker saw a big drop in COVID shots compared to uh, the year ago period, but said those declines were partially offset by a higher average selling price per vaccine. And that's why you're seeing the stock pop. Fifteen percent. Etsy, though, under pressure as a big miss on earnings overshadows a revenue beat. The online marketplace company also warned that its gross merchandise sales are expected to fall during the quarter as consumer demand for discretionary items remains tepid. So down 8%. I didn't mention NVIDIA, Scott.
2: You didn't, but I think you have probably coming up again before the show's over, so there's always a chance. I'm betting <laughs> on you. Okay. <laughs> All right, Christina Partzenevoulos, thank you. We're just getting started. Up next, more on today's reignited rally. Top tech investor Glenn Kacher of Light Street is back. Nvidia, one of his top holdings, which is why we'll get his first reaction to the quarter. His other top ideas with markets now at record highs. We're live from the New York Stock Exchange, and you're watching Closing Bell on CNBC. NVIDIA's post-earning surge, giving the entire AI space a big lift today. For more on what to do with tech stocks at these levels, let's bring in Light Street Capital founder and CIO. Glenn Kacher, welcome back. What a day to have you. Thank you, Scott. Appreciate it. 15% holding or waiting in uh, NVIDIA. Just give me your first take here on this, this, this quarter, that they just blow people
7: away yet again. Yeah, I mean, it's a company that is really on top of their game. They have the product that everyone in the industry needs to change the way computing works. Um, the way I think about it is, is this is almost over the last, it's similar to the last 20 years in automobiles where we saw this massive shift to SUVs and the lowly sedan has as sort of trailed away. This is a fundamental shift in computing architecture from a CPU centric computing industry to GPU centric. And it changes everything. It changes how software is written. It changes how software operates and how data centers are built. And they are square, you know, right on that road and dominating uh, the space.
2: Bear with me for just a second, Glenn. I have to get to Julia Borston. We do have some breaking news on Reddit's IPO. Julia, you have details for us?
0: Yes, Reddit has filed its S1 with the SEC, the company saying it intends to have its shares listed on the New York Stock Exchange under the symbol symbol RDDT. The company's net income for the three months ended December 31st was $18.5 million. The company says its revenues for those three months were about $250 million, um, announcing 73 million daily active unique users. 267.5 Two hundred and sixty-seven and a half million weekly active unique users, and saying that Morgan Stanley, Goldman Sachs, J.P. Morgan, B of A, Citigroup are among its underwriters. Um, so they do say they do not anticipate paying any cash dividends in the foreseeable future. We're going to continue to dig through this S one and come back to you with more.
2: Scott, All right, I appreciate that very much. Thanks for the update, Julia Borsten. Back with Light Street's Glenn Katcher. You, you guys, investors, in this? Any interest in it?
7: In Reddit? Yeah. Uh, we're not direct investors in it, no, but certainly interested in uh, in the space and the internet uh, category. I think Reddit is playing a role in AI as a one of those content libraries that's been used to train these large language models.
2: I, I used the words you know earlier speaking of AI and the, the kinds of things that Jensen Huang at NVIDIA is talking about as sort of this dawn of a new industrial revolution. It sounds like You very much buy into that story, too, in the way you see the runway expanding for a lot of the companies that have a big part to play.
7: For sure. And then we're seeing, uh, you know, cash from operations and earnings surprising by 10 percent. We're seeing, uh, you know, that continuing for many years to come. And we're seeing a stock that is, you know, probably going to be close to a double over uh, the next uh, year and a half or two years.
2: Big weightings you have also in the likes of AMD and Taiwan Semi, Amazon, Salesforce, Broadcom, Microsoft, Meta, uh, GitLab. For the other semi-stocks that that you, let's just take an an AMD, a Taiwan Semi, Broadcom, for example. How do you view those relative to NVIDIA and the competitive landscape that's only going to get hotter?
7: Well, there certainly will be competition, Uh, and the first company I think that's going to have a real competitive chip will be AMD but I think it's going to take uh, quite a period of time for any other companies to really challenge uh, NVIDIA and then AMD. Uh, Over time, I think we'll see AI splinter. There will be different types of jobs uh, and and different types of processes and smaller models. And as that happens, there'll be more opportunity for kind of lower power chips, for instance, Um, and custom ASICs to uh, eat into the overall market, but at the same time, uh, the GPU is so powerful It's kind of like an earth mover and a, you know, or an SUV that can do 10 different jobs really well, um, you know, and and be very powerful at the same time. And that's really hard for uh, some of these other smaller companies to compete with. So we still love, you know, NVIDIA from here and AMD is, you know, next up in that group. Last time I was on, I talked about kind of our AI5, the stocks that we are most focused on. Nvidia, AMD, Microsoft, Divago, or sorry, Broadcom, uh, the old ticker, Avago ticker, and um, and then TSMC. And those are still the companies that we think are first up in really benefiting from this uh, build out of infrastructure. So that's where we're concentrating our exposure.
2: I understand. What else is, is exciting? I mean, AI sucked all the air out of the room. You guys are doing enough bottoms up work on a lot of other companies. What else is exciting to you outside of AI or is literally that everything?
7: I think AI underlies almost every stock that we're involved in in one way or another. Um, You know, it's that dramatic of a development in terms of the way computing is done. So it's going to influence everything. I think it's a question of time frame. And, you know, it's hardest to predict how it's going to benefit software companies. I think the next big moves, though, will be those hyperscaler companies that, um, that, that today are part of the, the Magnificent Seven. And if you think about it, if you look at the other uh, names in the Magnificent Seven, which are Apple, Microsoft and Amazon, Meta, uh, Tesla, Google, six out of seven of those, everyone except for NVIDIA is a massive customer of NVIDIA. They're all putting tons of capital into buying NVIDIA chips and building out AI infrastructure. So that's, right now, that's costing them a lot of money, um, which I think is, you know, part of the reason why why they may uh, underperform NVIDIA. Uh, But ultimately, that also means that they're gonna be uh, delivering value on top of that capital that's being deployed over the next, really decade, but um, big build out early here early on.
2: I'll come back to you in, a, in another moment because I have even more breaking news. Bear with me. Kate Rooney has something for us on FTX. What do we know here, Kate?
8: Hey, Scott. Yeah, so a judge in Delaware, this is according to Reuters, by the way, but a judge in Delaware uh, ruling that FTX is able to sell its 8% stake in the buzzy AI startup Anthropic. That stake, based on its recent valuation, is worth about $1.4 billion. This had been up in the air in terms of whether they were going to be able to sell it. There had been some customers that pushed back on this. But this is a startup that a lot of tech investors have been clamoring to get into. So that 8% stake highly coveted by some of the big tech companies, some of the investors out here. The next step is who is going to be able to get that stake. But again, the judge ruling that it can't officially be sold in the bankruptcy documents. They said they do expect to sell those shares at a profit. They say they're going to retain flexibility to uh, sell those shares the most optimal and appropriate time. So it may not happen right away, but Sam bankman fried the now convicted CEO of FTX, had invested in the startup back in 2022 before it had really hit the fever pitch of AI funding. But uh, again, that stake has roughly tripled since Sam bankman fried invested in it. But now the bankruptcy estate will be able to offload it. And that AI stake in Anthropic is now up for grabs, Scott.
2: Okay, Kay Rooney, thank you very much for that. You see, Glenn Kacher, all roads do lead back to AI. Even when you do an FTX story, it, it all goes back to the same place. And Kate's talking see about A- Anthropic, which makes me think, of course, of Amazon, uh, not to be forgotten in where this whole thing is going to. It's one of your top holdings.
7: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there, I, You know, we, in, in our view, the AWS business is, is the most valuable part of Amazon vis-a-vis uh, e-commerce. Uh, segment of the, the, the company, and they are investing heavily in AI with, and, and, and will be driving tons of AI workloads onto their AWS um, infrastructure. So they're a big beneficiary from this. I did, without a doubt, I, 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 I predict that that anthropic uh, stake ends up with one of the magnificent seven. Oh, is that right?
2: Um, For sure. Interesting. What about the idea also, if you take a, a broader market view of we touched on it earlier with the breaking news from you know the uh, feds harker and philip jefferson and how they're talking about you know rate cuts later this year sometime this year rates have been higher we talked talked about the 10-year at you know 432 435 in in that range is there a is there a danger zone for the growth trade if, if rates continue to to back up
7: uh, yeah, sure i mean if rates back up because Inflation picks up for sure, then that that, that becomes a, a macro problem. But you know, as Adam said in the segment before, uh, you know, if you see if you you know if you see rates going up because the economy is doing well and inflation stays in check, then you know, I think that is generally a Goldilocks kind of scenario. Let me lastly
2: ask you, before I let you go, about the EV trade. Uh, you know, We touched a lot about you know, Rivian getting a hammered today. Tesla yeah. has not traded well. Uh, you, know, you know that. It's, it's green now, but it certainly hasn't traded well of late. It's down 20% as I'm looking at it here year, year to date. Are, are, we, are, are we at the point where we need to rethink this trade?
7: Well, I think we're at the point where the entire auto industry is slowing down and becoming uh, more competitive. We're coming off of the sort of easy comp, easy growth period uh, post-COVID. And so that we're seeing slowdown across the board. And I think we're also seeing some reality check on EVs as the charging infrastructure isn't, Uh, built out to the to the level that it needs to be to make it a great experience for uh, consumers. And so there's a little bit of a a, a demand um, uh, air pocket right here. And but I think ultimately, you know, as we look out several years, Tesla is certainly going to be the U.S. leader in EVs and as they drive their software uh, advantage that in, in whether it's self-driving or just a car that works a heck of a lot better than anyone else's. Look at you know what's happening with GM, GM right now with their new models, and uh, and then you've got to look over to in China at BYD as being a global powerhouse in the auto industry. So it's kind of you know I expect it to kind of be a. replay of you know what what we saw as kids when as the japanese took share uh, back in the uh, 70s and 80s i think you you're certainly going to see some of that happen as the chinese uh, start exporting cars to the u.s it's good to see you again
2: thanks for being with us and of, of course thanks for your patience too we've had a busy busy hour we'll see you soon no problem thank you very much all right glenn kacher light street up next we're tracking the biggest movers as we head into the close christina parsenevolos is standing by with that christina
5: well
0: we're seeing several gold mines up for sale to help one struggling miner and an analyst says don't fret about DoorDash's dismal earnings report i'll tell you why after this short break
6: from pit lane to podium the las vegas grand prix is providing fans a race day experience at the speed they deserve
2: Well, we have less than 20 minutes before we get the closing bell. We're going to get back to Christina Partzinevolos for the look at the key stocks she's watching. Before you do that, let me just tell people that right now we are above a closing high on the NASDAQ by a couple points. So we're going to watch it over the final 15-20 or so as I send it to you, Christina.
0: And we know who has a large weight on that index. But... Uh, Let's talk about Newmont right now because the stock is actually lower, down about 7% as a flurry of announcements overshadowed its earnings and revenue beats. So this is a copper and gold miner. They're slashing their dividend. They're laying off workers and they're selling off some of their assets as they look to cut costs following their acquisition of Newcrest. Those moves have the stock at its lowest level since May 2019. DoorDash, though, is higher as Morgan Stanley upgrades the stock to overweight. Price target, $145. The stock is trading at $121.87 right now. Analysts cite the the delivery giant's push for gap profitability, and it's growing grocery business along with the stock's weakness since reporting earnings last week. That's the reason why they say buy-in shares are up about 6%.
2: Christina, thank you. Christina Parts and Avalos. All right, straight ahead. Star VC investor Rick Heitzman, he is back with us. We're going to get his take on that breaking Reddit news. Officially filing now to go public. Plus, we'll find out how he's navigating the tech sector surge. And What else is hot besides AI? We're back right after this. Welcome back. Reddit, as you know uh, from a report earlier by uh, us filing to go public after a years-long run-up, the company planning to trade right here at the New York Stock Exchange under the ticker RDDT. Let's bring in first Mark's Rick Heisman to discuss. Well, that's nice news to break before you come on. That's great. Man, I told you, the IPO market's going to open sometime first or second quarter. Does this make you feel even better about that?
9: Uh, It kind of does because this is an old trend, right? This is social media. This is advertising-based content. And this is not the greatest content, right? This is real user-generated content, which a lot of it's not safe for advertisers. And this will really be a litmus test on testing public market investor appetite for maybe non-AI things. How are you
2: feeling about that whole thing, just the prospects of these markets
9: opening back up? I I feel great. I feel great that people are so attracted to the heat and obviously people attracted to the Mag 7. Are people going to open up the aperture and be able to buy public financing? Are they going to buy non-hot things that are appropriately priced?
2: Somebody like you, you look at NVIDIA and all of these other stocks that are just going bananas, right? We're we're talking about the NASDAQ going for a new closing record high.
9: What's your reaction to all of that? Well, it's so driven by the top handful of companies. If you look at the median company in the NASDAQ, it hasn't really moved that much this year. And I thought this year, I was wrong. I, I thought this year was going to be a stock picker's market where there was going to be differentiation. Between it is, the just seven. you have to pick the right seven. Yes, yes. <laughs> you have to just be an NVIDIA. Be an NVIDIA, sit at home. I, I'm working too hard for this. Yeah. Um, are you still getting a
2: lot of looks at things that are overwhelmingly AI plays?
9: Everything has an AI component. I mean, it's very funny. We can play a game when we hear our pitches at first mark. How long do we have to wait until someone says You mean says how many AI? seconds before yeah, somebody says AI? Hey, over I... under
2: about 15 seconds. Well, you said you're traveling around. You're starting to travel a little bit more yes. for work. Does that correspond with what you think is a reopening, if you will, of activity? There's a
9: reopening of activity. People were very much in sort of the last two years. People were fixing their, their broken companies, dealing with the sick puppies, and now people are more open to new ideas, what's going on, and even beyond AI, what are the Next interest or trends that people are seeing, and whether that's Vision Pro as a platform or the digitization of healthcare. Are we
2: fully done, you think, with the valuation reset that that had to take place over the last couple of two, three
9: years? Not yet, not yet, because I think as you think about the differentiation in the NASDAQ, I don't think some of the companies which weren't providing value really have gotten punished, so maybe the way they should, nor the good companies doing well. So it's been a general reset, but I think you're still going to see a couple bombs go off of companies. are still wildly overvalued. You
2: sit in, I think, a pretty unique seat in that you obviously have views on what's happening in AI, which is overwhelmingly the hottest trend of of the year in tech. The second, I don't even think it's a debate, GLP-1. Of course. What's going on in healthcare? You guys were the first investors in Roe, the digital health company. So how should we view this? Because... Novo, Lily, th- those yeah. types of stocks are in their own ways as incredible as NVIDIA.
9: Well, it's a mega trend in and of itself. I mean, everyone's very obsessed with AI and what that's doing. But if you look at the digitization of health and what that means, especially wrapping around a really breakthrough drug. And this is a generational set of drugs in GLP-1s. It's now being productized with different delivery mechanisms. Are there shots? Are there pills? Is it daily? Is it monthly? Is it weekly? And I think that most Most people will be on this for one reason or another in a couple years. Right now there's a shortage. You can't get it, and it really hasn't even gotten international yet. So I think that we're still in the early innings of delivering what's going to be a life-saving drug for many in the coming, where, the coming where years. Where are
2: we in terms of early innings, mid, late, of companies like that before they go public? Are we starting to
9: think uh, about that? I, I think we're starting to think about it. People that are riding that mega trend but might not have that drug the way that Nova or Lilly has, I think you're going to see that come out in the fundamentals, you're to see the growth. You're going to see the value of those customers. And I think you're, you're probably 12 to 18 months away from that as people are starting to recognize what a breakthrough trend this is. Great catching
2: up with you again. Always Thanks great. for being here. Rick Heitzman, First Mark, right here at Post 9. Up next, we'll have more on today's market rally. You take a look at stocks there. We had records today for the S&P, record for the Dow. We're trying to get a record close for the Nasdaq. We got a little bit of work to do. The good thing is we got eight minutes or so left. Closing bells coming right back. We're now in the closing bell market zone. Pippa Stevens is watching booking holdings ahead of earnings out in overtime. Bob Pisani here to break down the crucial moments of this trading day as we head into the close. Pippa, you first. Tell us what to watch for.
9: Well, Scott, booking holdings did hit an all-time high today ahead of reporting results in overtime. And analysts are looking for gross bookings of $31 billion. Now, this report, of course, follows Expedia's update earlier this month with that company's bookings metric missing estimates. Today's guidance, though, will also be very important since it will shed light on the upcoming spring and summer demand trends. Commentary around geopolitical impact also key. The BMO estimating Israel is 1% of bookings, with the Middle East broadly at 7%. Scott?
2: All right, Pippa. Thank you. Pippa Stevens, I turn to Bob Pisani. The closing high on the Nasdaq is 16,057. 0.44. We were just there, but it's it's moving around a bunch as we head the final three minutes here. So we're going to see if we can do that. But we did new highs today for the S and P. And by the way, the Dow was just up 500. Yeah. So we're going out with a bang it's today. A,
1: it's a great rally. It's not a completely even rally. Eight stocks advancing, five declining. Uh, equal weight S and P is up a little over one percent. The S and P itself is up two percent. But it's really all about tech. Just look what the semis are doing today. They're just the whole semiconductor sector is moving the S and P. Did you see AMD? It's up 11%. AMD, right, that's right. NVIDIA's getting Nvidia all the 16, play. but 16, AMD 11, Broadcom 6, uh, Micron's up 5%, Applied Materials are strong. These are among the biggest names in the, in the S&P 500. So when you've got all those stocks up almost double digit, that's going to move the S&P 500 forward here. On top of that, you've got new highs on Amex, for example. There you see that move. And Visa, the card companies, have been doing spectacular releases recently. Uh, you also have new highs on some of these other big names, some of the big software names. That are out there, uh, uh, Intuit, uh, ServiceNow, Oracle, also doing really well here. And yes, there's a Magnificent Seven ETF. We had them on just recently. There's Salesforce, Intuit. Look at these numbers here uh, for uh, for some of the big. And anything it's, AI related is true. just. And here's no, the big, ETF big for the last six months. Uh, they laughed at this when they put it out a year ago. The uh, this is called the Magnificent Seven ETF. It's an equal weighted for the, all the Magnificent Seven here. That's another new high today. That's you know a, why they laughed? Because they probably saw. Come out, and they're like, oh, that marks the top. Yeah, exactly. That calls the top. One year ago, it was April, and <laughs> yeah. they said it, they laughed at it, and this time they were absolutely wrong on that. But I do want to point out. it... it The the Dow leadership is pretty good today, overall. I mentioned Amex. I mentioned Visa. uh, Home Depot's at a new high. The banks are flattish, but some of the bigger names, JP Morgan's just been spectacular. That's a new high as well. Uh, And finally, Scott, I want to mention Japan. We mentioned the Nikkei hitting a new new high high. today. Yeah. And if you're wondering, how did the Nikkei get there after 34 years uh, of hitting a new high? It was was 1989 uh, when it hit a new high. Weekend. And reconstructing the the Japanese economy a little bit, and help with the AI business. Remember, you got SoftBank over there; uh, they're the primary own, primary owner of ARM. That's doing really well. You've got some other big names over there uh, like Uniqlo, big one of the big global uh, retail names that have been remember doing the, really remember, well. Remember, you know the big Berkshire and. Buffett bet on the bunch of buying that's a right. bunch of brokerages,
2: um, uh, brokerage stocks over there. That's right. Uh, early when no one was really talking about what was going on in Japan, they, of course, have their earnings in the annual this, this weekend. So maybe that's topical and interesting
1: that, as you say, it is hitting a new high. And Tokyo Electron, which doesn't trade here, but it's one of the big capital semiconductor capital equipment companies. They compete with applied materials all over the world. So the point is, weekend reconstruct your economy. 34 years, though, to get to a new high, remember, the S&P is hitting new highs every single day. Better late than never. Imagine waiting 34 years for a new high in the S&P 500. I don't think we'd do that. Do
2: you feel um, like what happened after the bell yesterday
1: was one of those moments where, with NVIDIA where, yes. you know, it was binary for maybe no, the market ab- at large? It was a transformative moment because that was the moment where everyone said, you know what, all the naysayers are right, and all the people worried about concentration risk, Maybe there's a reason these stocks are so dominant. Maybe given the earnings and the cash flow of these stocks, they do deserve to be called the Magnificent Seven. A lot of the naysayers were put to rest last night. All right, so the s and the Dow, for the record,
2: close. not so much for the NASDAQ, at least for this day. Well, I'll see you tomorrow. we got one more day to try. We'll go over time with Morgan and John.